We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right no, now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh yeah, I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome into the first episode of Romcom Month on Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. We're brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and the Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially our producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D. Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mykoski, and Andrew Teagle. Not going to take up too much time with this intro because it is a very long Big Screen Sports episode. We are starting off Rom-Com Month with a classic movie. Uh, we've got two great guests, Alex McDaniel, the great Alex McDaniel. She returns to the pod and making his first Big Screen Sports debut, hopefully first of many, Michael Felder. We're talking when Harry met Sally. Let's get to it. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. It is our first edition of Rom-Com Month. Joining me... My co-host, a well-known fan of rom-communism, Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing great. It has been so long since we potted, a whole like two or three weeks since we did Hot Rod. I was going to ask, when did we do Hot Rod? It was only a few weeks ago, right? Seems only like ages. Only a few weeks ago. Uh, Alex, all the content at For the Win? All the content at For the Win, just teeming with content. So ftw.usatoday.com. Everyone go check it out. And for a very special movie, had to bring in a very special guest. He is he's the man who taught me the proper way to smoke wings. It is it is in the bleachers, Michael Felder. Felder, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, Kyle. Thank you so much. It's great to, to talk to you. Great to talk to Alex. Like this is I'm excited. I'm thrilled. Uh, before we get into it, Felder, tell the folks uh, where they can catch Hand in the Dirt, everything else you're up to. So they can check out, I'm, I'm at stadium, so watchstadium.com. I do a lot of uh, kind of breakdowns there for like real actual football stuff. Same thing with Tape Don't Lie, the podcast. Um, and then, yeah, we have a lot of fun at Hand in the Dirt and on itsfelder.bulletin.com. That's where the wing smoking is. A lot of wings, a lot of glazes, and we're frying these We're frying these days. 2022, we're frying. I, I've noticed that. I haven't I haven't given a fry yet, but the, the, smoking, the smoking method of low smoke glaze, then more low smoke glaze high heat just it changed the game for me just absolutely just 
it, it's it's revolutionized the wing game. But let's um let's dive right into something equally as important as wings. Uh, we are we are kicking off rom com month with potentially the goat when Harry met Sally, the nineteen eighty nine romantic comedy. Harry and Sally have known each other for years and are very good friends, but they fear sex would ruin their relationship. Starred Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, directed by Rob Reiner, written by the great Nora Ephron, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Felder, I'm going to kick it to you first. We'll start off with just the, the question that needs to be answered. Is this the best rom-com of all time? Are we starting at the top of the mountain? I mean, some people would say Annie Hall. Uh, obviously, that movie has its issues, given you know who's involved with it. <laughs> Um, I really rom-coms for me, I came into my own with rom-coms and like just being an unabashed fan of them with how to lose a guy in 10 days. But I don't think there's like in, obviously there's sleepless in Seattle, but I think this is the best. I think this is the best you're going to get out of Meg Ryan. I think this is the best Billy Crystal you're ever going to get. I think he, he's never better than this. Like, what is it? My giant. You think he's better than than that? No, this is is as good as it gets. I think for Billy Crystal, I mean, it's that or like hosting SNL great and hosting SNL city slickers. I was going to say city slickers too, for the joke. (laughs) Like, yeah, this is, it's the best that, I mean, it's got this, it has everything you want and, and, Everything draws so much in my watch because I, I watched. So you guys don't know this, but I used to watch this. This used to be a frequent movie on Delta, and when I couldn't find a movie I wanted, I would just watch this. Yep. And it's a ninety-minute movie, so every flight that I took would end in me crying. <laughs> not excuse me, not the flight. It would just be me crying ninety minutes into the flight at the end of the movie, <laughs> and just time after time after time after time because I watch it all the time because I was like I don't want to see any of these other things. I would rather just watch this. It's better. So yeah, I think this is this has got to be the goat. I think it's the best. I think it is. You think about all the things that pull from this, and I, I thought I was talking to my wife about this. No families at all. Almost no None. other characters at all. It's very Sex in the City, right? Yeah. Sex in the City pulled that. If you live in New York, we don't have to talk about your families at all. We don't have to deal with it at all. It's it's got that. It's got the element. It's got the the contentious sort of a meet cute. It's got that whole deal. It's got all every every rom com that you've seen since this movie came out takes something from this film. So it's got to be the best. And the structure. I mean, we'll get into it, but the structure of this movie and how their relationship, how it essentially spans, you know, a decade is is fantastic. Yeah. Alex, is this is this your best rom com of all time? And I, I have to ask, what is your cry count in this movie? Oh God. <laughs> I don't know if I cry over it anymore. I mean, I do for different reasons. It's one of those movies. I call it a Mona Lisa movie because like, depending on where you are in your life, it changes the way you perceive it. And you're like, it's always staring at you from a different angle. So I loved it when I was 22 and I had all these crazy ideas, not crazy, but like just outlandish ideas of like big monologues and people doing these grand gestures. And now as a 35 year old, I love it for totally different reasons than I did when I was 22. So I still appreciate the wonderful writing and how funny it is. But I also love the simplicity of a lot of it and the fact that it is a little messy and it's not as easy as boy meets girl. They'll eventually fall in love. Like this is a messy thing. It's a great friendship, but there's a lot of stuff they have to overcome just to get there. And it's not perfect at the end. It's like it took him 10 years to realize what was in front of him. Right. So very sex in the city. I have to say it was inspired by this. But to me, it's the initial one. I think everybody in my generation 
especially women, we talk about, especially writers, by the way, we talk about like how the goal was always to get to New York and be a writer and be single in the city, right? And Sex in the City was the idea of that. But for me, it was this movie long before I ever watched Sex in the City. So yeah, it's it's everything to me. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you look at everything that that comes after it, and I don't think you can say anything like if you bring up like a like if you want to just talk the Nora Ephron you know run like you bring up Sleepless, you bring up You've Got Mail, um, like those are great. It's you can't really say they're better than Harry when Harry yeah. met Sally. It's just it's almost every aspect is is completely flawless, and it's the performance by the two leads you believe everything about this relationship the chemistry um just how they interact with each other it is you know again like especially it's with billy crystal this is kind of like i i guess there's like america's sweethearts he does kind of the rom-com thing or romance in other roles but with meg ryan especially you think like she is the rom-com queen essentially from like 89 to to 97 she's she's the best there is she's first ballot rom-com hall of famer and this is for me my my favorite Meg Ryan of of any of those. And I will say for me, not to give away like the whole month, Sleepless in Seattle is kind of on a, a different tier. I think it's like you've got mail and and when Harry met Sally, when Harry met Sally, kind of riding at the top there. But I think you just be hard pressed to say that any movie is better than this one, which yeah. is the the highest compliment I can give. Uh, the the other thing I want to get into is this. The moment they finally get together, every rom-com has that great moment of, you know, they're, you know, unless it's like the breakup where there's, there's not that moment that you think there's going to be, has a moment where the, the couple gets together, that, that emotional moment that everyone cries over. Does this one, does when Harry met Sally have the best of those moments? I worked that moment into my wedding vows. That's how much this moment wow. means to me. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, I, I did like a, a quick list of great ones that come to mind. There's Notting Hill, which Alex has not seen. Uh, the Wedding Singer, <laughs> Fever Pitch, which we were texting about the other day. Yes. Uh, You've Got Mail, obviously. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall has a great one uh, yes. at the end there. But uh, Felder, is this the best couple finally getting together moment ever? Like I said, I, I love How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And there's something about him chasing her down. And when he says, you can ride anywhere, so where are you going? I almost cried just now. I was about to say, Alex just almost broke. (laughs) Because it's so true. So where are you going? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm partial. And again, like I said, that's the movie that made that like made it feel like it was okay for like, you know, where it's it's like you grow up and like, I came into Harry when Harry met Sally, my mom would be watching it. And it was like, it'd be those marathons, whether it was on lifetime or USA or whatever. And it would be like, overboard when Harry met Sally whatever it was and I would watch those with my mom but it was one of those things that like I didn't go to school and talk about that so how to lose a guy in 10 days became the movie that like we all watched we all talked about that movie yeah so for me that one kind of stands on its own even though I know it's not as good but that final scene especially as someone who has been a writer who does write and like you're he's correct the idea that you can write anywhere so don't leave a thing that could be really good like, I was like, this, that one kind of hit hard. And I was like, and as you mentioned, Alex, like things come to you in seasons. Mm-hmm. And that one hit me and watching it, revisiting it as I was writing and revisiting it as I was like figuring out what I was going to do in my 20s and, and early in my, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, that part. And I live in Chicago now and I never thought I would have lived here, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, 
she can do what she can do from anywhere. And it's obviously during the pandemic, we're realizing that a lot of people can do what they can do from anywhere yeah. based on remote work. But I think when Harry met Sally for me, it's probably two because that I hate you part is so, it's so good. And the lip tremble and the whole, like Meg Ryan's amazing. It's she gets all like Billy Crystal gets all the attention in that scene. He's giving, you know, he's giving the monologue. He's saying the really emotional things, but like a lot of, like she, she has very little dialogue in that scene, but does so much. She plays it small. Expression. Just incredible, incredible stuff. Alex, is this your, your best couple gets finally gets together moment? I mean, I guess it's not that I think there's one better again. It's like, I'm sitting here thinking, and I've thought a lot about it again. Like when I was 22 and for some reason, that's just my point of reference for like everything I thought love was supposed to be right. It was all about grand gestures and big monologues. And if you really love somebody, you're going to show up in the middle of their new year's party. Right. And I'm a writer. So I care about words and I care about how they're put together. I'm one of I'm a writer who doesn't speak well. And I talk about this a lot. So this isn't me just being weird and vulnerable. Like I, I just don't speak the way I write, but I do care a lot about the way words go together. When I was 22, I cared about the, you know, I love that you're cold when it's 71 degrees out. I loved all of that. I'm 35 now. And to me, the best line in this movie, and I know I'm jumping the gun because you're not the best quote yet, is when he says, I've been doing a lot of thinking. And the thing is, I love you. I love that so much. And so, okay, there is a show. It was an Aaron Sorkin show, Save Your Groans. It was called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. It only lasted for one season. I don't know if you guys saw it. The reason it lasted for one season is because um, 30 Rock debuted at the same time. And they were both kind of takes on SNL, right? You know, Sorkin, for all of the terrible things about him, in my opinion, he can still, sometimes he can turn a phrase. And in the last episode, there are these two characters. It's Matthew Perry and Sarah Paulson. And they've been together, but they really just don't work together. And there's this line where she says to him, I just love you is all. Like, it's not a big statement, right? Right. I just love you is all. And to me, it's so beautiful. And so, yeah, like that scene, I can appreciate it for all the reasons I've loved it before. But to me, the most beautiful part is I've been doing a lot of thinking. And the thing is, I love you. See, I kind of go the opposite with the the other one that competes with it for me is a grand gesture. And it might just be a recency bias thing because my wife and I just watched this movie. But like the end of The Wedding Singer is awesome. When he when he comes down the aisle, with I've the never guitar, seen it. I'm so, oh, and it oh man, Alex, it literally it just left Netflix yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'll rent it. I, it's okay. I told I that that was the thing I told Kai. I said if this movie gets off HBO Max on fe- going into February, I'm going to be livid. And luckily, it stayed on, so I was good. <laughs> you were fine. I bought it on Prime years ago, so. We bought it on Prime on New Year's because it was it was not available to stream on New Year's and had had to have it. You have to watch on New Year's, yeah. Yeah, Alex, I want to say with you, this is something that when when Jacqueline and I were doing a rewatch, kind of like kind of wondering when do you think that Harry and Sally realized they loved each other, at least like liked each other, wanted this to go. We kind of we were speculating. I had two when they're on the museum and and uh, and Sally tells Harry that she's going on a date. Yep, that's think- it. I think, it's when they're I at the Met. I'd like to go to the movies with me tonight. Oh, oh. Well, I'd love to, Harry, but I, I can't. Why do you have a hot date? Well, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I was going to tell you about it, but I don't know. I just, I felt strange about it. Why? Well, because we've been spending so much time together. Oh, I think it's great that you have a date. You do? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that is the moment. I think when they're doing the silly voices and here's a fun fact. So Billy Crystal did a lot of ad-libbing in the movie, of course, it's Billy Crystal. When he gets to the line about the pecan pie, you notice when she starts laughing and she kind of looks to the right, she broke in that scene and Rob Reiner was off to the side and he was telling her roll with it. So like, I love that because he was like, he was just, you know, riffing and she was trying to do what she could. But of course, when he says the pecan pie part, it's hilarious. And she looks off and then clearly you see somebody's kind of told her to get with it. There's that moment. She's like, I'm going on a date. Yeah. And they have that moment of like, is it okay? But they also have that moment of, shouldn't we just be going on a date with each other? And no one addresses it. It's just that thing where it's like, well, if the other person wanted to date me, they would say something. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, honestly. Jacqueline pointed out that she thought that Sally wanted Harry to say something. Bingo. Yes. Bingo. Yep. He, which is kind of the thing in the whole movie. She, he wants her to, or she wants him to say. She something. wanted him to say something. She wanted him. She looked at him. She's. I've I've been on dates. I've, I've been on. We've all been on dates. And, <laughs> I've dated. And when you tell, when you say, <laughs> I've never in my life, going on a date that I wanted to go on, talking to someone, saying, "Is that okay?" I've never said, "Is that okay." Is that okay? Yep. I'm going. Well, I have a date tonight. I can't go. I can't go hang out with you because I'm I'm going out to hang out with someone that I might hook up with. Is that okay? What? I'm not going to ask you if yeah. it's okay. I'm going to do it because it's the thing I want to do. Except it wasn't the thing she wanted to do. She wanted him to stop her. She wanted him to yeah. say no. Go to the because he he asked her to the movies. He did ask her to go yep. to the movies, but he didn't say let's go on a date to the movies. Those are two completely different things. And it's weird because, and I don't mean to jump too far ahead, but is he right? Is is the, at the end of the movie, is he right? Based on their original road trip to now that they can't be friends. I mean, that, I guess that's the number one question we should have been talking about. (laughs) I would like to say he's not right. I mean, in this movie, he's certainly he's certainly right, though. Yeah, I don't think he's right in like the. I don't think he's right in the like the continuity in like the continuum of time. I don't think he's right in the real world that we all live in now. But in yeah. the world of the movie, is he right? So here's my thing. <laughs> and again, this has been shaped by my experiences. So I'm sorry. There was a long time where I thought the question really was can men and women ever be friends, right? Mm -hmm. And even even years ago, I qualified this as saying like single men and single women, right? It wasn't a matter of like, if you're friends with- He does the same thing. Man or a married woman. Yeah, and so to me, it's like people with the same, can they do that? I don't think that's the question of the movie. And mind you, I love this movie so much, so I'm not trying to bash it. I think the question is, when does Harry finally get over his shit enough where he can let someone in like that, where he can finally trust that this is the closest person in his life and he can get past all the things he believes in his head because she doesn't really change in this movie. He does. He's the one who evolves. She's the same woman throughout. She goes through a lot. Sure. But like her philosophy doesn't change. She's the same person. It's really more of like, I mean, the movie's called when Harry met Sally, not when Sally met Harry. I just think like he has to go through this whole, oh, maybe I do need to be with her. Well, I mean, she was right there the whole time. Now, mind you, I'm cynical. (laughs) Yeah. And he, cause he clearly, Harry was not ready. Even when, when he was 
right before he was about to get married. Like Harry was still not emotionally available enough in heading into that marriage. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about we'll That's talk where about Ira came in. We'll talk, we'll talk about the, the symptom. We'll, we'll talk about the symptom. Oh that's yeah, I, I wrote that one down. Yes. Yeah, the best, the best. Um, I'm not going to ask the Hall of Fame All Star starter bench warmer rom com. That's that's a, yeah. a waste of breath. We all know this. I don't want to dive in too much on the trivia because I want to talk about the movie as a whole. But there are a few few different things that were in the IMDb trivia. I love casting stuff, and this this one says Tom Hanks turned down the role of Harry as he thought the film was too lightweight. Michael Keaton was also considered. This movie is not this, like Billy Crystal is top tier. I think Michael Keaton could have done this too. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad Tom Cruise turned it down. It's not for him. Hanks, Excuse Hanks, me. did I say you Cruise? You did say Cruise. I said Cruise, no, <laughs> Hanks, oh my God. Oh, oh, that's a fucking weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> you say, or I, I, I heard Cruise. Did he say Cruise? I heard Cruise. I, I don't know. Because I was like. I, it could be either Because this is right around cocktail and I was like. The guy Brian from Cocktail can't be in this movie. Oh no, yeah, no, he would have been horrible. No, so it's Hanks, who obviously you know, goes on to do realizes uh, he made do, a mistake. Got, you know, Sleepless and You've Got Mail. Yeah, he needs to needs to start banking on those Efron movies. But I think I, I wouldn't take either over Crystal. But I would actually in this role take Keaton over Hanks as like the neurotic guy. Same. Yeah. I also heard that Albert Brooks turned down the role. That was in the IMDb trivia too. Yes, which the, he could. Him and Crystal kind of drive in that same lane. Yeah. So, and I know, like, again, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm going to save most of this for the end when we talk about like whether this there could be a remake, like who would star in it. But I was talking to my good friend, friend of the podcast, Adam Amin. We were talking a few days ago about this, and he made the argument. He's like, you cannot have a guy who's too attractive in the Harry role. You have to have a guy who's funny and charismatic and all personality or else it's not as believable. Because if you think about if Tom Cruise were in this movie in 1989, it would not be a classic because it's Tom Cruise. Billy Crystal's not your classic like heartthrob, right? But you fall in love with him because he has such a wonderful personality. He's a nice looking guy, don't get me wrong. He's just not Hollywood heartthrob, right? And so it's easier to believe his evolution and watching him through the years, I think, even though we can all admit it's totally ridiculous. He was supposed to pass as a 22 year old guy in 1977. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, they just gave him some fluffy hair, but still, I think you have to have like a funny guy in that role who isn't like super, like he's not Brad Pitt, but he's still attractive. You know, it's gotta, he's yeah, got to look I have normal. It, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I have it down that Billy Crystal is the oldest looking college student since like, like <laughs> for me, the, the oldest looking college students ever are a Sean Robinson from Alabama and Randy <laughs> Johnson. I don't know if you've seen pictures of, of Randy Johnson when he played for USC, but he looked 50 years. Don't old. sleep yeah. on Greg Oden. Oh, oh God. For, yeah. I forgot about Greg Oden. Yeah. That's, that would be, a, that would be a fun list to put together of the oldest young men ever. But yeah, the, I think, Crystal's everyman kind of thing really, really works for him. And, and he's a different kind of everyman than Hanks is. Hanks is also an everyman, but there's a there's something a little more there, a little different vibe there. Uh, the other casting, the casting thing of Sally that I pulled was Molly Ringwald was offered the role of Sally. Alex, can she, could she have done this? Because she's she's coming off the John Hughes movies, but she's she's getting into adulthood. Essentially. I mean, she's she's an adult in this movie, but now it's like, it's when she's trying to take that turn. And does this change what the 90s ended up being for Molly Ringwald? Look, I love the Brat Pack more than I love most things. <laughs> okay. 
like, I love every single movie that came from that era. And she could have been fine. I don't know. I think we're just so used to seeing Meg Ryan and this was like her big breakout role and she's adorable. And I think Molly's adorable. And I don't know. I think it would be easier for me to see another actress in the role, even though I love Meg Ryan, than it would for me to see another guy in the role as Harry. But I still think without Meg, it's a different movie. What are they? They're seven years apart. Molly Ringwald. Who? Ha- Molly's younger than um, than Meg Ryan. Possibly, yeah. Oh, then she would have been. She would have been really young in this. Which then. the college stuff would have been made more sense. But then I don't know what she looks yes. like aged up. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I the other I, I actually just turned it on. I'm watching it now, anyways, just in the background. But <laughs> perfect. The one thing I the thing I did notice too is how tall is Molly Ringwald because that's the, that's another part oh, of this movie know. that I, I I kept coming back to. Um, my wife is tall, and so my wife's almost six foot one, and I am I'm a five ten man, and I kept noticing what Meg Ryan was wearing, specifically footwear. Yeah to like make her fit into that. And so I wonder with Molly Ringwald, how tall she is because she's 5'8 and Meg Ryan is also 5'8. So it would have been the same. That's the, that part's the same. Billy Crystal's 5'7. Oh my goodness. So it would have would have been, 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 been a bigger issue with, uh, with Cruz. Yeah. Would have, would have been a big problem. Cruz would have been an issue. Yeah. I don't know. If, did you guys notice that at all? Because I was just like, oh, she's just wearing, like, she's, it's all, it's kitten heels, kitten heels and like, like wingtips. It's very 80s and like 80s, early 90s. And it's funny because I talk about this a lot. Like my mother has the perfect like 80s shape in that she was always very, like we're both the same height or five, nothing, but she was very petite. Like I got the curves on my dad's side of the family, but like she's very small. And in the eighties, if you were very small, you could manipulate your shape a little bit. You could have the big shoulders and the exaggerated, you could look like a rectangle and still look cute. You can't really do that if you have an ass, you know, like there's just no way to make that work. So I think like it was very eighties chic, everything Megan wore. And remember, like, this is one of those movies my friends get mad at me about because I call it a journalism movie, even though it's not, but it has a journalist in it, just like how to lose a guy in 10 days. Yeah journalism movie right so i think she just looks very smart and very you know she looks of the time without trying too hard yeah which i love but again like they were working very hard like they did on all rom-coms in the 80s and 90s to make them approachable and girl next door yes. and, i don't know the looks in this movie in general are if i could swap closets with billy crystal in this movie i probably would the i would, sweaters. I would go right in there. <laughs> Sweater King. I mean, living in living in Texas, I would have a tough time with a lot of what Billy yes, Crystal is wearing. I would. Be, would. I'm already a already a big time sweat guy, but it, we'd be in trouble. But uh, just incredible fits all around. Um, <laughs> it really is. Bruno, Bruno Kirby, a jacket master in this movie, too. and jean shorts. What a guy! Oh, jean a lot shorts. of jean shorts. A lot of a lot of just incredible jean looks. Uh, let's go into best scene. Um, you know, listeners to this podcast know that, you know, we, we run through this chronologically, you know, we pick a few scenes, we talk them over and then pick our best. I, I have more than a few scenes. Uh, we might, we might be in trouble. Uh, I mean, start the, the drive from Chicago to New York. It, it's a great over. Once you get over that man is not 22. It is, <laughs> it's flawless. And it, it gives us our plot too. It, it gets right into it. This, it throws out the question that the can man and woman be friends, 
Um, it seen in a diner. I am diner. Great place to hang out. Great place to have a movie scene. Huge fan of the diner. Uh, Felder, the, the, the initial, the initial drive. Is this one of the better rom-com opening scenes? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, I do have a question. So they just drove from Chicago to New York, just straight through. Mm-hmm. Straight through. No hotels. No. Overnight. No. <laughs> How long is that drive? She said 18 hours. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I guess so. Billy Crystal, not not a hairy guy, probably doesn't smell good at the end of that Absolutely drive. not. And <laughs> he gets off and he's moving to New York and he's got a duffel bag and a satchel. A baseball bat? <laughs> With a baseball bat. <laughs> he's like a baseball bat. I love and it. I was like, oh, my god, Alex, where are you at on grapes is a road trip food. Yo. Just a, just a random, random big thing of grapes. The, okay, that's the one part of the movie I've never been able to get over because he spits the seeds on the window. No, like, again, we have to remember, this is set in 77. It's not like they had snack packs going around, right? So it wasn't like a They had chips thing. in a bag. Yeah, it was like chips in a bag or you could bring Grapes. fruit or whatever. And like the, the roll down window, I just love how it's very of the age. But yeah, I don't think it's a great road trip snack. But I think it's very good at setting up this guy lives for himself. I think it was good at setting up that even though he was making out with that girl five minutes ago outside the car, it's clear when you watch it, he's never going to think about her again. It is clear. But neither does Sally. He's in the car. I know. I mean, she brings it up on that one <laughs> on the flight. And she's like, I can't remember her name. We were best friends and I can't remember. And then five minutes later, I cannot believe you don't remember her name. Amanda Rice, Amanda Reese. I can't remember. Incredible transition by you, because the next scene I have is, is the airport. <laughs> the airport. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that's when I think we get as stand-up comedy-ish as Crystal gets in the movie. When he's that the bit about you take someone to the airport and then suddenly they ask, you know, why aren't you taking me to the airport anymore? That is like it seems like it was pulled from one of his sets almost. I I love the I love that bit. Get together what three weeks. A month. How did you know that? You take someone to the airport, it's clearly the beginning of a relationship. That's why I have never taken anyone to the airport at the beginning of a relationship. Why? Because eventually things move on and you don't take someone to the airport. And I never wanted anyone to say to me, how come you never take me to the airport anymore? I also, it's it's like a, a, it's a psycho move to stand next to a couple that's making out. Even if you, if you think you might know one of the people. That's I know. deeply, deeply upset me. But I thought it was well, I thought it was, but here's the thing. Imagine if you're coming into this movie for your first time. You think he's standing there mm-hmm. to talk to her. Yeah. Like, imagine going to see this in theaters. <laughs> imagine going to see this in theaters in 1989. You think he's waiting to talk to her. Yeah. And he's not. He's talking to Joe. And that, to me, was like, I hadn't thought about that because I've seen this movie so many times. But like going back in my mind and being like, oh my goodness, they Reiner set this up perfect. Yep. I mean Reiner, Reiner, the Reiner Efron combo. This movie just a masterclass, just perfect strokes. Oh yeah. Which mind you, the movie was based on them in terms of their friendship. Obviously, there wasn't a love connection there. Maybe there was, and we just never heard about it. But it was based on them like hanging out in their own conversations and everything. And so I think like, you know, it's not. There's so many brilliant writers out there who are so good about writing about anything. I know me well enough to know I'm best when I write what I know. <laughs> like that's that's my wheelhouse, right? And I think this really shows 
for both of them as a director and a writer, like they wrote what they knew. They took situations from their own relationships and put it in this movie and it shows. Fun fact about Joe, uh, son of Gerald Ford, our 38th president. There we go. No. He he of notorious pardon. Um, Yeah. Son of Gerald Ford. How about that? I didn't know that. I got to write that down. The next scene I've got, I'm calling the Rolodex because of Carrie Fisher in this scene is throwing flames. We haven't even mentioned this. She is incredible in in this. And the thing is, like, Carrie Fisher... What when did when did Jedi come out? 81, 82, something like that. So she's like she's eight-ish years removed from sending a million nerds through puberty. 83. And now she's yeah, and now she's like she's the friend. She's she's comic she's great comic relief in a movie that has Billy Crystal. And she's she's swinging right up there. Like Felder, she's awesome in this one. She's amazing. I mean, she's from her initial struggles. Obviously, being with a married man, like it's, and they don't like they play it kind of for they play it for jokes, but they also are like, it's kind of sad that you can't like get away from this guy. Like he's not, he's never gonna leave her. And like I just I, like the idea. She's like, and I saw a receipt for a hundred and twenty dollar wedding gown ga- or nightgown, and I was like, he's never gonna leave her, is he? And she's like, yeah, we know, we all know. But the Rolodex was, like, do you you just carry that around with you? I feel okay. Good. Then you're ready. Really, Marie? Well, how else do you think you do it? I've got the perfect guy. I don't happen to find him attractive, but you might. She doesn't have a problem with chance. Marie, I'm not ready yet. You just said you were over him. I am over him, but I'm in a mourning period. The Rolodex kills me when she folds to the corner of the guy who got married. married. <laughs> He'll be back. Whenever someone, and again, I'm like jumping the gun because I know we'll talk about this in a minute. Whenever someone talks about a remake of this movie, this is one of those movies, it's going to be very hard to remake because so many of the rules and conventions around how they live is based on not having any digital technology. Yeah. Like it's not just the Rolodex, but like back in the 80s, if you were having an affair with a married man, it was... A matter. I mean, I was born in '86, so I'm not speaking from experience. But it was a matter of truly, like, you had your time together, and you had to look through his briefcase and see an American Express receipt, right? Yeah. Whereas now, that scene would be like, I looked at her Instagram, and I saw that he, you know, blah blah blah. It's just such a different thing. The whole setting, everything about dating. I mean, it stresses me out to think about dating now, which is why I don't do it. But imagine if, like, you had to physically call someone to find out if they were available at a certain time. Nope, I don't want any part of that. No, thank you. I would not have survived the 80s. I, it's, it's very funny. So I was listening to this show. It's called Action Boys. You guys don't need to listen to it, but it's very vulgar. But <laughs> but they were they were reviewing the movie Highlander 2, and they were like, oh, yeah, if you were a Highlander, like, in the 21st century, people could just, like, trace your DNA and be like, no, dude, you were there. Like, Sorry. We know it's yep. still you. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but I cut my hair. And they're like, no, doesn't matter. You're still here. And like, that's the same thing I think about with this, where like, if you try to update this movie, what is she scrolling through her cell phone for people at yeah. the table? She's like, what about this guy? What about this guy? Scrolling, or scrolling through Instagram. And yeah. that's that's not the same as like that physical Rolodex, that physical pull down, <laughs> the physical go through. the. It's the same thing. And I don't want to jump ahead, but in her bedroom after they after they hook up 
when he's like, oh, you have all your your records, your tapes and, and, and VHS alphabetized? Like, that's a versus, oh, you, you what? What do you do with streaming? Oh, you, you have all your, no, there's nothing you could do. There's nothing, there's no equivalent to that in current society when it comes to having your VHS tapes alphabetized. <laughs> That's the fun thing about coming back to this movie though, is it is such of a time. It feels, it feels timeless in a way, like the story, the chemistry, everything flows. It doesn't feel, doesn't feel wildly dated in, in ways that some eighties movies do, right. but it still is like this, just the actual functional, how people interact with each other just does not happen now does not happen the same way. And that's why this one is so much more fun to revisit than, you know, certain, certain modern comedies. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, not to step on our last category, but like what this would look like now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next scene I have, the next scene I have is the wave as, as Jess is Jess and, and Harry talk out the divorce of uh, just flawless execution. <laughs> podcasting a visual medium medium it's a Felder sports is, movie everyone it's a it is, sports movie it is a sports movie uh from the imdb that is trivia uh the imdb trivia that is footage from a game that the giants won 30 to 10 uh probably the most unrealistic part of this movie giants pulling out a 30 to 10 victory they, right now they were good back then i believe of. phil sims is is at the handles was that it's really phil sims on camera though that wasn't really phil sims right that they showed i don't know if it was i don't know if it was phil sims but that i i think correct me if, i think phil sims was the the quarterback he was he was i just don't know if that was actually phil sims like when they showed the tight shots yeah the um this this scene also gives us crystal with the beard alex Crystal, crystal with the beard over crystal without the beard. I'm always gonna go with a beard over not a beard. Come I think on. he looks great with the beard. He looks, looks fantastic. fantastic. Are you joking? Yeah. Like, looks fine both ways. I don't want to be out here saying beard's the only way to go. I just, again, when I was 22, you know what my answer would be? Absolutely not. They have to be clean shaven. Blah blah blah. Mm-mm. I'm older. I'm wiser. I know now. The beard is the way to go. <laughs> And Felder, that's the first time we see Crystal without uh, essentially a mountain of arrogance. On yeah, he's he's humble. He's been humbled uh, remarkably, which is, I think, I guess this is. Would you guys say this is his first step to opening up to love? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because the next time we see him, he's in the is, is in the bookstore, and the conversation that he has with Sally is so much different and so much more mature really than the previous conversations he's had with Sally when he's frankly, he's kind of acting like a guy who walks on water. Yeah. It, it was, it was remarkable. And I mean, it's, it, I mean, they're doing the wave it's, it's they're, they're doing the wave <laughs> and it's uh, like, like they're in the middle of a conversation and stopping to do the wave. Uh, the guy behind him, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he, the guy behind him. And I don't know if this is like, if they're directing them or this, they're just like make busy with your hands. But the guy behind him goes, and you know he can't he's not allowed to talk but he's mouthing it was it, he's mouthing it was this far to the guy next to him the guy's like i know but it's like you guys probably have to be silent so you're just kind of doing <laughs> doing little things but all those little touches and then yeah it just i mean we we get to meet like we really kind of get get into it with jess and get to find out what he's all about and it's just it's 
This this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Obviously, and I know you'll, you'll get to look. Has, this has one of the best quotes of the movie. It's remarkable and <laughs> it's so good. It's still laugh out loud no matter how many times you watch this movie. I mean, we can just yeah, we can just we can essentially just say it. So Jess uh, Jess tells him marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's just a symptom that something else is wrong. Oh, really? Well, that symptom is fucking my wife. <laughs> it's so good yeah. it's just so good man just just incredible um okay so he i mean we might as well just like narrate the movie so him and him and sally <laughs> link up again and we have the watching casablanca over the phone scene which serves as it's it's a relationship building we i love I love the style of we're listening to this conversation. We're listening to this initial, the first time of many that they do this, but then we're also watching the montage of how their relationship is evolving just throughout this conversation. Then it brings it back at the end um, with, you know, and it hits us over the head with it, you know, beginning of a beautiful friendship, that whole yeah. thing. Um, Alex, I, the watching Casablanca over the phone, huge fan. Shut up, Kyle. First of all, <laughs> Kyle knows too much about me and I'm not appreciative. But Okay, here's what I love most about this scene. I think it's a perfect illustration of the issue here, which is like, obviously, if they're in the same bed watching it, then it's a whole question. Oh, we're in the same bed. What's going to happen? The fact that they keep this distance and they do split screen is still showing us they live in the same city. We don't, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think we know like how far apart they are in that city. But it shows like the barrier they're keeping, even though it's clear that their lives have melded in a way that's like, well, okay, we're going to watch this together. Turn it on. We're going to, you know. Channel 11. And I don't think, yeah. And that's not, you know, that's not something that's disappeared. I mean, obviously, especially since the pandemic, like Netflix and Disney Plus, and I'm sure all of them have the option now where you can party watch, where everybody can watch at the same time and you can text each other. So we still have that experience. But again, it's these barriers we put up because it's like, well, if we cross that, then we have to answer a question, but it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too. You know, it's like, you're still as close to this person as someone who is physically in your bed. You're just keeping that barrier because you think you have to. I love this scene. It's fascinating. It's well, it, the, the thing for me is it reminded me of being in high school. Yeah. Where you would, I would talk to my girlfriend on the phone until they're like, because we had I had a cordless phone. I would talk to her on like cordless phone Ooh, until cordless until until the phone died. <laughs> this is like I'm older than you guys. I, this is free night. This is pre like free nights and weekends, baby. That's taking <laughs> that's taking a risk too, though, because anyone can pick that phone. No, 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 no. Even the cordless. No, 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 no. Your boy had his own line. Ooh, <laughs> it was the same line that we used to dial up to the internet. <laughs> Love it. So we oh, had it. Man, you guys are you guys are balling. We had the we had the, we had the home <laughs> line, and then we had the internet dial-up line, and that was also my phone line. And you know, you just talk to your girlfriend on the phone, and like, what are you watching? I'm watching this. Okay, this is cool. And like, it was just, but that's what it made me think about. And I was like, it wasn't because they felt like they were younger, because these are people obviously in their at this point they're in what their mid twenties, but and but it felt like just like different times. Yeah, like it was it, it, it you that to me was one of the moments that did kind of crystallize this movie in a time frame. And there are so many other parts of this movie that are timeless. The emotions, the 
the the the back and forth, the nature of men and women, the interaction between men and women, uh, the, the the friendship interactions, which I think also go understated in this, are not understated because they clearly are stated in the film, but also go often go under discussed in this movie. But the friendship dynamics and all those things, and and but that that one moment, and I know it's a beautiful moment, and the split screen is amazing. It looks so cool, and that whole deal, but it did crystallize. Oh, this is a. T- there were two times. There, this is a time where you did have your home phone, and if that home phone rang and you were home, then you picked it up, yeah. and they knew you were home, and so there was no, no. You weren't worried about anything else. The same thing happens when, obviously, after they hook up, when they both have their own home phones, which my wife found to be insane. <laughs> like she's seen this movie a ton of times before. It never that never occurred to her. I know we'll get to it, but like, yes, no, but that is one point that did kind of crystallize in time for me. I was like, oh yeah, home phone, a home phone. It's wild. (laughs) And something else is they, he calls her and she says, watching Casablanca and he's, he says, what channel? Because if you wanted to do that now, it'd be like, you know, I'm watching this on Netflix. Let's All right, sync well, it up. Well, yeah, we got to sync it up. Pause it. Tell me what your timestamp is. Fast forward. Just, nope, I'll, I'll flip on the same flip on the same channel. Like it, just perfect. That that montage also has some incredible shots of like Felder. Someone shows up at your house right now, knocks on your door, and says, "I, you can have Harry's apartment. You got to move to New York City. You got to, you can have Harry's apartment in those windows right now for free." What what are you doing? How many bedrooms did he have? That's the only question I got. That's the, that's the thing. That's the Those thing. Windows. But like, you gotta you gotta think a place that big is more than than one bedroom. At least. Yeah, I mean, I live in a place that's got two bedrooms all right, right now, so it, it yeah. can't be worse. The only <laughs> thing I would say I I would be sacrificing my garage fridge, but other than that, I'm ready to rock and roll. The so, windows are they're beautiful. He's got a view from his bedroom too. You don't know if it's, I don't know if they're filming in the actual, in the same apartment in his bedroom, but you notice he's got a view from his bedroom yep. too. So like two different sides of your building with a view in New York city, like fucking kidding me. Yeah. It's amazing. Crazy. I will say, okay. Personal story time. When I moved to New York, it was right after college in 2011. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was a little girl from Mississippi, you know? And I got on this random roommate finder website. I mean, it was like, it wasn't this, but it was like findaroommate.com. It was not like a mainstream site. And I happened to find this woman. She was a widow from North Carolina. And my dad approved it because he said that was Southern enough. And he was fine with it. And he trusted her. She's like 70 years old. She lived on the Upper East Side. She had this apartment. And for 1200 a month, now mind you, it was 2011. 1200 a month. I got my own bedroom, my own bathroom, my little study area. And I had a full view of like South facing view of New York. And it was heaven. I don't know why I left to be honest with you, but like it was a dream. And this movie was essential to me because I was like, I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm going to New York and I'm living the life. But okay. So rewind a little bit. Another thing about this scene, and maybe this is just me and my perspective but like there's this feeling to me anyway when you can see they're both in their beds and because they have nothing else to do they're talking to each other to me there's always this like sinking feeling of if one of them gets in a relationship this is over yeah like they can't have these conversations and there's a sadness to that and i think and and i just think it's like really i don't know it's sad it makes me want to cry because like they're so happy but you can tell 
if something disrupts that, they're not going to have the same friendship anymore. And I hate that for them. Well, she, they talk about that. She talks about that with Carrie Fisher, right? Where yep. drift apart, drift apart, drift apart. I will say this. I'm not the best at maintaining like friendships in general, but like I still have some of those things like with, even with like, whether it's men or women, I still have like late night, like, Hey, what's up with you? What's up with this? We're watching this. Have you seen, like, I still do those things, but I also think that that's an incredibly partner dependent thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where like, if my, one of my good friends, uh, shout out to Laura, she just had her baby, um, two days ago, but she and I talk on the phone at, you know, we'll talk on the phone at one in the morning when like her kid can't sleep and we're just like up, we'll talk and it's my wife's like, yeah, that's your, that's your friend. And I think that, but that goes back to the whole entire kind of the main question of the movie or what we think is the main question of the movie, at least is can men and women still be friends? Can men and women be friends without sex? And they were friends without sex and they had those conversations, but once they start to sleep with someone else, because it becomes a question of, and I think there's two things. Do they stop because they feel out of obligation? It's going to make their partner feel crazy. Or is their partner there? They don't want they don't want them to be talking yeah. on the phone. Which yeah. that's the part that's the the craziest part to me is that overall this entire film, there's never a time when they call each other and someone else is there. Yeah, that's the thing I just I, that's the thing I picked up on on this most recent watch. There's never a time that they called when they needed each other, when they wanted to talk, when they felt down or just needed to hear from their best friend. There was never a time where someone else was there and they had that dilemma of trying to make that choice, which is a hard, it's a hard choice. And they never had to make that choice, which I'm not saying the movie is lacking because of it, because of it at all. I'm saying that that is one thing that did stand out to me was it was always a, a clear landing pad when they made those phone calls. Well, what yeah. we know about Harry is that uh, once he's done with business, he's not sticking around much. So he doesn't really have anyone over if they're if he's if he's able to pick up. He doesn't phone. bring anyone over. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because he's always talking about when do I leave? That's a good point. That's a good point, which is interesting because like that you'd think that apartment would be that that's the deal closer. Like, look at these windows. No, listen. If you don't want them there, though, like that's the thing is that's why I go back to this idea that this isn't really about them figuring out the timing. The timing was kind of right a lot of the time, yeah. right? It was Harry getting to the point. It's like, oh, wait, I miss her. We got in a fight. I think I'm ready now. Like, that's what it was. It's not that he realized he loved her at the end of the movie. He knew that. But it took him some time to get through whatever he had to get through to realize that he needed to move on it. And he's just lucky that she wasn't taken. I mean, look at her. Yeah. Oh, She's I mean, amazing. Meg Ryan was the... I mean, the queen. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you point out <laughs> like how Harry in that apartment, like he's, it's essentially, it's it's Robert De Niro's apartment from Heat. Like there's nothing in it when we first see him. Like he's nothing. just, he's living, he's essentially living life. Like he can drop everything and leave at moment's notice if, the, if he yeah. feels the heat around the corner. Um, okay. The next, next scene I've got, I, I feel like I wrote it down out of obligation just to all have what she's having, the line. Like, it's so sure. iconic that you can't not talk about it. But there, there are scenes I would rather go back to than that. It's, I mean, it's Meg Ryan really going for it. But I don't, I don't have much other to say about that besides, like, just iconic. Great, great line. Shout out Rob Reiner's mom. So, yeah. So, I think 
a few things about this scene. And obviously, like, I was three when this movie came out, so I don't have the real-life perspective on it, only, you know, growing up and watching it later. This movie was similar to Sex and the City. It was so celebrated for how it addressed what women really thought about sex and about relationships. And so other than Meg Ryan just having a wonderful performance, which she she's the one who suggested in Nora Ephron that she do that. Initially, they were just going to talk about it, that women fake orgasms. Women absolutely do this, and this hasn't changed. And the fact that she, like, she did it, I'm so tickled by it because that was so just mind-blowing back then. And mind you, I grew up in a time, I was 12 when Sex and the City started. So like, I didn't grow up with that as a young adult. But I think I grew up in an age where by the time I became an adult, I was like, okay, we're talking about sex. We're talking about women's perspective. Back then they really weren't. So that, like my mom talking about that scene that blew her mind. At that point, it was like a secret among all women. Like, oh my God, they know. They know that we're not really doing this. I just, I love it. And they still have a scene or they still have a, little area in that deli with a sign over it that says this is where they shot the scene it's wonderful and this is a very embarrassing story but when i lived in new york i took a guy there we were friends and i liked him i had a crush on him we went there and we sat at the table he did not like me back but he went to auburn so it's fine oh yeah we don't we don't like that so i was (laughs) fun story about my first i guess exposure to this scene do you guys remember a show the show that, that it, I think I don't think it got more than like six or seven episodes when they did Muppets Tonight. Yes. When it was it was essentially it was SNL, but it was the Muppets, and they had did the same that. thing, celebrity host, whatever, and Billy Crystal hosted one one week, and there was a scene they did a sketch with him and Miss Piggy at that diner, and Miss Piggy is talking about faking a sneeze and does the whole thing, <laughs> and obviously I was a kid, I didn't know I the reference that. or anything, but. Thinking back on that as an adult, that is fucking hysterical. Yeah. That is, I, that is incredible they did this. I remember the Herbal Essences commercial. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, the shampoo? All of them. And, and yeah, and she was like with her hair and I had no idea what it meant. My dad was like laughing in the corner and they wouldn't tell me. and I had no clue. Oh, yeah. Shout out Muppets Tonight. I'm pretty sure all those episodes are on YouTube. That's what? 90? That's like 97? I think. Yeah, we we had them. We we did the we did the recording on the on the VHS. Oh yeah, no, there's a big big Muppets tonight guy. Like, how, I was <laughs> well, the only thing I was gonna add is a, kind of like a tag on the back of that was how many guys are sitting in the theaters watching this movie and they're like, wait, what? No way. <laughs> <laughs> not me, bro. Not me. No way. This can be, but not you. Not with me, right? Right. <laughs> I'm different. Right. Like, like, I love like, hu- like someone, a husband who's been married to his wife for like 20 years, they've got three kids and he's like, but like you would never. Right. Totally. <laughs> but I love that because it, it opens the conversation yeah. like it did. And then shows after that, obviously sex in the city and other shows. It's not just about the faking. It's about the fact that women needed to get to a point where they felt empowered to say like, this is what works for me yes. or like, this isn't working and it's nothing against you, but like, let's work together to make this happen. It's not so much about like a, a man being inadequate. It's just like, you gotta figure out what I want. You can't just go in there and do what you do and think it's gonna work. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> so, groundbreaking. <laughs> gotta, gotta put in the work. You gotta uh, put in the work. The next scene I have is the, <laughs> essentially the mixed up double date that ends with, with just, Going back to 
six years prior to this movie coming out, Carrie Fisher's the hottest woman alive. Mm-hmm. She's she's in the she's in the bikini in Jabba's palace. Cinnabons. Her partner in that movie is is Harrison Ford, another yes. just peak peak hot guy. <laughs> six years later, like they they don't do her any favors with her appearance in this movie and like how they style her. But like six years later, she's with Bruno Kirby, who I will say like between this and City Slickers, though it was like. Hollywood was trying to tell us that Bruno Kirby fucks, which is kind of interesting, but like it is a really good scene. Like them getting that. Cause like I'm someone, Alex knows this. I'm, I met my wife because she read, she read something I wrote and she liked it. And I realized watching that scene. Yeah. I I realized (laughs) watching that scene. Like that's the way to someone's heart is be like, Hey, I like that shit. I like what she wrote and Bruno Kirby just eating it up. He probably hasn't gotten a compliment. It seems like the guy hasn't gotten a compliment in a long time. And it's just obvious right off the bat that like this is not going the way Harry and Sally thought it was. No, I, I'm telling you right now, if anyone quoted something I wrote on a date, they may not be right for me, but for at least a night, they will be right for me. <laughs> like, like that's I don't know. Michael can speak to it too. As a writer, you're just like, you remember something I put out there? I mean, it's it's huge. It's a big deal. Yeah, no, it's that's yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares about anything that I write. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I'm like, I, if I can't get my mom to read it, how can I get anybody else to? <laughs> so, but it's very funny because they their relationship blooms because she's interested in what he does, mm-hmm. and he likes that she's interested in what he does, so he gets interested in her stuff. Yep, and that's that's pretty cool and like like literally sally's telling him that she does not care about she does not like anything that he does she doesn't like anything about him (laughs) and billy crystal's telling her like i don't it does he's like i telling carrie fisher like yeah yeah, the amount of you're both from new jersey (laughs) cool okay (laughs) nothing else got it and they i don't know where you go from there there's nowhere to go from there. Are you kidding me? Like, do you, if, like, do you call it Taylor Ham or pork roll? That's the only obvious question after if, we're both from New Jersey. You, my, one of my best friends, my freshman year of college, was a quarterback, and he he's from New Jersey. And he, I'll never forget. He asked. We were out, and we were out with girls who were. We weren't out with them. We sat at a table next to them, and then we were we like <laughs> we we were like we were freshmen. They were juniors, I think, and. He looked. Oh, I was, and I, 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 I can talk a little bit, and I was okay at you know, making conversation. And then he was a showstopper with his. You girls know who the quarterback of the Eagles is. <laughs> and I was like, you girls. And I was like, oh man. I was like, well, we have to go to a different bar because this is, it's over. <laughs> This is a, what is this? I love what just it. happened? And <laughs> I think like, because they were, because those, because Carrie Fisher was interested in Bruno Kirby for what he did and obviously quoted it back to him. That was, he didn't have a, like, even though like the stuff that he was saying, the stuff that he was writing was very like esoteric not the right word, but very niche. Right. Mm-hmm. But she was into it. Like, if one of those girls would have been like, hell yeah, Donovan McNabb, I would have been like, oh, wow, you found someone for you. And that's 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 the point I was trying to get at is like, 
when it works, it works. And it was spot on. Like it was there. We're perfect. This is great. We we're, we can ride this wave. I want to take her out. You're saying you don't like her. I don't, I don't like her. I don't like, you can take her out. Are you sure? But just wait a little <laughs> while. Cause Sally, she's really hurt right now. And you don't want to hurt her feelings. And then the same thing happens on the other side of things. But it was, I also thought it was really interesting the way that they both cared about each other in that moment of like, Mm-hmm. They knew that they were all wrong. Every the whole matchup was wrong, yeah. and they were like, "But don't do it immediately because it's going to hurt her feelings." And then they were like, "We don't care. Love doesn't love doesn't wait." And I think yeah. that's do a, they say anything to each other in the cab, or do they just start making out immediately? Make oh, out. They start making out. Yeah, but that, <laughs> we've all been in that cab. But that was a cool. You're making. But that out. was a cool little <laughs> microcosm, right? Like that was a cool not juxtaposition. South. Yeah. S- Harry and Sally are waiting. Will they? Won't they? Will they? Won't they? Waiting, waiting, waiting. And then these two people meet one night and boom, fireworks, sparks immediately. And, and they, they're married within the year. And they, yes. And they, they, they move in, they ride the wave, they get the wagon wheel. They, they get rid of the wagon wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, no. that's the next scene is that, that whole run, essentially going from singing in front of Ira to the table with the wagon wheel. And I want to throw this out to you because when I watch this scene, I feel like running into your ex-wife and she's dating an old guy. Fucking Ira. Yeah, she's dating Ira. (laughs) He's got the cul-de-sac. You're with Meg Ryan. You're with literally just the, the most gorgeous, bubbly woman on the planet in 1989 why are you sweating you won dude she's with ira you're with meg ryan i understand for the purpose of the movie like for the mechanism for him to have the freak out about you know (laughs) singing in front of ira but like i don't i mean alex if you're you run into your ex-husband and he's with meg ryan that's like even like that's a tough beat i think I do have some experience in this, <laughs> like awkward run-ins of exes. It's not about Ira. It's not about Meg Ryan. It's about, especially the way, the reason they got divorced. It comes down to why not me? What was so wrong with me that I couldn't be Ira? It's not like, I think if you were to ask his character in that moment, who do you find more fascinating, more beautiful, whatever, he would have said Sally, but it's not about her and it's not about him. It's about, I devoted my life to this woman and she not only rejected me but she cheated on me and which is a terrible form of rejection i think like you get that in your head it's not even about like measuring people if they're better or worse and i think like the jokes about ira we all do that it's a you know it's a bomb right it helps you feel better like i got i got the upper hand i won i just think it comes down to what was so wrong with me that I couldn't have been that to you? Well, I, is that the next scene that we're going to get to? The Sally scene? Yeah, the yes. the table, the table with the the, the wagon wheel table, kind of that. When that they run. fight, well, I was. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's the scene in between because Sally says all the stuff that you said. The why not me? Mm-hmm. She says all that when yeah. she calls him over yes. to talk, and she finally blows up about Joe. And I don't want to skip around. I don't want to skip the wagon wheel scene where Billy Crystal freaks out, but. She says all the stuff that you just said. She says that in that scene. So I'll go back to where we were in the the whole. I, I think that there's also frustration for Billy Crystal when he sees Ira, not because of the way that Ira looks, but the way his ex-wife 
and she plays this scene amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. She, she's very secure in herself in that scene. Yep. Secure. She's cold. <laughs> she's, she's stone cold. She's hello, Harry. She's cold. <laughs> she's cold blooded. Like, no, I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm super happy now. This is my life. Get over it. Yep. And then the other part of it is Harry's not with Sally. They're together at a store, but they're not together. Yeah. And so even though he's with someone, he's still alone. And I don't. Yeah. And that's a good point. I think that that's a big part of it is not only did she find someone when she was with him, I'm assuming that the guy that she found when she was with him was, is not Ira. And then she found somebody else to be with. Yeah. And she's cold about it. And then he's with no one. And I think there's that part. And then you get to the explosion at Jess and Marie's where he just loses his mind. By the way, I have a friend that has that coffee table. I mean, that, that's a staple in Southern households. Like the, yeah. I was going to say, I've been in many houses with a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the knockoff, there. the knockoff Joanna Gaineses of the world oh, yeah. are loving that wagon wheel coffee table. You can get, you can definitely <laughs> get that at restoration hardware. 100%. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Probably get that at a cracker barrel. For being oh honest. yeah. I mean, don't knock cracker barrel, but no, I, I agree with that. And I think, when you do get to the wagon wheel scene and they have the moment outside, you know, I've spent years. You could have said something then. I know. I just, here's my thing. And this is what I, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It might be my, my favorite scene. When they're yelling at each other outside and she has that great line about how you're going to have to move back to New Jersey because you've already, you know, fucked everyone in New York and I don't see that healing you, essentially. Like... I think if you've been in a lot of relationships or situations where people get mad and then they just stay mad for a few days and everyone's different. I'm not saying that's dysfunctional necessarily, but that's what we're used to, right? You get mad and you stay mad and you, you make up later. The fact that it was instant in that scene that he's like, are you done? She's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. And they hug because it's so unnatural for them. I love that scene so much. I love that part. And I think it says everything that needs to be said, but still they're not following up on it. Alex, so one hour, oh, no. three minutes, 45 seconds into the podcast, I will be the first one to bring up Ted Lasso. That is a very, <laughs> something we talked about when we recapped, recapped the human interaction in that show is, is how healthy a good apology is and how healthy yes. just coming clean in the moment is. And that's something that that show does well. And that's something that when I watched that scene on Sunday, I was like, that is very much like a, a, uh, a Roy and Keeley moment that yeah. th that that sort of apology and just being honest in the moment of I let things get out of hand and I'm not going to let this fester, which is really important. It's weird because so I have a friend who yesterday we were talking about something and he said something that really hurt me, not because he wanted to hurt me. It was just the moment and I wasn't in a good mood. And he said something that was like wounding. And I just said it. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That really hurt. And it was immediately like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I know he didn't mean to do it. But the fact that he said he was sorry, fine. I go off and do the same thing today to the same person. And again, I was just trying to be funny and tell a joke, but it just hit a nerve. And we handled it the same way. It was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Obviously, we we know the other person didn't mean to do it. But it's still like, I'm acknowledging that you were hurt by this. And I'm sorry. 
And I think that's healthy. I like seeing that. And seeing that in an 80s movie, huge. It's healthy. Um, yeah. I have never seen Ted Lasso. Um, the- oh, God. That is my cough. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It is fine. It's fine. But. I just think you'll love it. I'm not saying right. everyone needs to watch it, but I think you would love it. Yeah. That's all. Uh, yeah. That's all. I, I don't think I have the energy. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, Alex and I, you know, we only put 30 hours of podcasting into that show last year. So it's, it's not something we were, we were super I'm, into. I'm, listen, I'm fourth on the call sheet at my house when it comes to the television. <laughs> I get and it. I've got th- I only have three people that live here. So <laughs> kid, wife, no TV, then me TV. <laughs> Give me an old Charles Bronson movie. Give me When Harry Met Sally. We're in business. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think if, if you like When Harry Met Sally, you will like, especially uh, season two, episode four. of The rom-com episode. The rom-com episode. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This, okay. Let's, let's roll the scene where they sleep together. Yes. The, they, it finally happens. Um, one, Joe calling his ex to let her know that he's getting married is just dickhead Hall of Fame. I mean, Savage. I wouldn't expect anything less from Gerald Ford's son, but- I digress. Um, Meg Ryan, all timer. This one being being very funny through these tears when they're having the conversation when she's like, "Soon I'm going to be 40. and the he's tissue. like, eight years." Yeah, just so good. Felder, when they show Harry's face after sex, they show Meg Ryan's face. She's she's happy, right? Like she's she's enjoying this postcoital bliss. Ooh. Harry has that look in his eye <laughs> of. For me, I read that as this is the only successful relationship he's ever had in his life, and I think he thinks that he just ruined that. Yeah, because he's still not mm-hmm. a grown adult enough to realize this is where I'm supposed to be. Yep. And there's two things. One, yes, the whole it, like it plays back into all the stuff that he talked about, right? The whole I want to be there for 30 seconds, and then I can get out. How long do you want a guy to be there? All night? And he says, he's talked about that already. And yeah, and then he ends up being there all night. And then in the morning, he's trying to slip out and put one of the Kyle approved gigantic sweaters on. <laughs> I mean, that sweater was big he, as hell. Of course, he's got a, he's got a real, real nice black sweater there. Looks great. Huge. And it is big. She, gets, she gets them some water. They cuddle up. I mean, like that level of cuddling. I mean... If you're 31, you can't. That's you're that's too much. That's too much. It's a long yeah. cuddle. A long cuddle. That's a that's a that's a dead arm. That's a that's a no side sleep cuddle. That's too much. <laughs> well, that, that's not intended to be a sleep cuddle, but I yeah, Harry's she, I think she Harry's in, struggling. She intended it for it to be a sleep cuddle. Yes. <laughs> yes, she did. I have many feelings about this scene. So first of all, to go back to your point about him calling her when he's getting married, I have lived through this too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and like, he's not listening to a podcast, so I can say this. I was engaged at the end of college, like going into grad school mm-hmm. and we were like a dream college couple. Right. And it wasn't his fault or anything. It was both of us, but ultimately it came down to like, I wanted to have a child he wanted to put that off for like 10 years. And I was like, I just don't think I have that much time. Like, I I just don't like with the way it was going. He called me the day after I gave birth to my child 
to tell me congratulations on the child. Like we broke up over this. The fact that I wanted a baby and he didn't, it was very heartbreaking. Took me a long time to get over it. He called me the day after I gave birth to say congratulations. It is the meanest thing in the world to do that to somebody. And it's not that I still had feelings for him. It was, you know, kind of going back to what we've said this whole time. It was another like, you're putting me through all these things. Like, why was I not good enough for you to want this for me when we were together? Right. I just think it's the meanest thing in the world. And so obviously she's in a bad place emotionally and he comes over and they're friends. And again, it's no, it's not like it's one person's fault over the other, but you know, it's just, it's disappointing. And they do this. And of course she's all about it because in her mind, she's like, here he is. He's finally gotten over all of his things about men and women and being depressed and like she's happy and he's stunned and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And it's so disappointing. I hate this part of the movie. It's the worst part, objectively. Do you think she got all the way there when like right after they had right after they were done, before there was any kind of dot thought like doubt in her head after he kind of kind of bolts and gets worried? Do you think when when she was in that in for the long haul cuddle that she thought <laughs> that they they were together? Like this was going to this was going to be the norm. This was, this was, they had finally gotten together. I think she was there the whole time. Just like he was there the whole time. I think she thought, okay, he's finally admitting this. This is what it was supposed to be. It's, you know, it's like what Felder said. It's like, this is where he belongs, but he still didn't see it that way. And that rolls right into what Felder talked about earlier. The, uh, the dual phone lines on opposite sides of the bed, which like, right. Incredible. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. So I don't know how many houses <laughs> had that. I mean, that's in. I was talking about it with my wife, and I was like, "Yeah, but she's busy. She's like a book dealer. He's busy. He's a writer. They don't want to get each other's phone calls." And I think it's genius because I answer my phone, you answer your phone. Yeah, we don't have to do this whole one phone, especially because if you're on the phone, then I got you know I have an agent or I have. A radio station or I have somebody calling me and then you're on the phone and all they're getting is a busy signal. I miss, I'm missing money. Yeah. I need, I gotta have my own phone. I give people my card. It's got my phone number on it. You give people your card. It's got your phone. I thought it was genius. I thought it was, I, yeah. I mean, think about it right now. If you live in a house with a person, you're not sharing a phone with them. No. Everybody's got their own phone. It was, this was pre cell phone, cell phones. Smart. Yeah. And for the structure of the scene, it's perfect too. Yes. That the, the calls coming in and it's, I love it. The the way Bruno Kirby says, we've been praying for it gets me like, <laughs> as, as we roll in, just, just cause you know, they've had so many conversations at their dinner table. Just talking about, I wish Harry and Sally would get together. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last I went night. went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then... long story short, we, we did, did it. They did it. That's great, Sally. We've been praying for it. We should have done it in the first place. For months we've been saying you should do it. You guys belong together. It's like killing two birds at once. Yes. Why won't they just get together? You, Why don't they just do it? Come on, man. It's so stupid. And you know, people have said that to them. You don't see it in the movie, but like people will say that to you after a while. Like you already do everything together. You're calling each other late at night. What's the issue here? They've had to answer for that. They just didn't have to answer for it in the movie. 
Yeah. Well, the I think the only time we get that is when they're at the batting cage, which I, you know, yeah. skipped over for the sake of time. But I mean, it's <laughs> again, a sports movie. Yeah. I, swear, I mean, <laughs> Billy Crystal, not a, not a bad little swing. They're wearing uh, those classic 80s, 90s baseball, baseball warmups that are just essentially like a plastic bag. Uh, great, yep. great, great, great stuff. But yeah, that's that's really the one time that Jess is like, you do all this, you spend all this time with her, you tell her about women like he doesn't doesn't really get it. Yeah. Um, so that all rolls into the the moment, which we kind of talked about earlier. The they get together. You know, he runs runs to New York. Had to be you. Starts playing. They kiss. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's seventy one degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see? Just like you, Harry, you say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. Billy Crystal goes right into, you know, what does this song mean? Another like kind of pulled riff. From yeah, a bit. A very classic crystallism. Uh, can't stay serious for too long. Alex, what is the best scene in this movie? <laughs> yes, Did I miss either. any of your favorites? Because I think we went through just about everything. Um, look at my notes. Look at my notes. No, we covered all of them. It's hard to say the best one. I just, I mean, I love Nora Ephron and you know, I tend to lean on whenever I go on these podcasts about any movies and shows, I always lean on, Oh, the writing's so good, but like, she was just a very exceptional writer and storyteller really. And that's why she transcended from journalism to screenplays, to novels, to anything else she wanted to write. I just think she was so good. In many ways, like the whole movie is just a bunch of bits put together. You know, it's like, how can we string these bits together to make it a movie? I don't know. I mean, of course, the ending is wonderful. But, you know, the original ending, they weren't going to end up together because they thought that was more realistic. And maybe so. But we would not be sitting here talking about this movie if they had not ended up together. Right. We just wouldn't. No. It would. Nobody wants realism. when If I'm going to pay $15 I, I whatever it is now for a movie ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I have to live real life every day. I want to believe in something magic, you know? And I think the balance of how realistic it is that two people can go through a lot of messy life stuff and still end up together. I don't think that's very unrealistic, but I think you get through all of that and you want the happy ending. You want to see that they got over all their shit and still figured it out. I think you want to hear about the coconut cake at the wedding with yes. the chocolate sauce on the side. Oh yeah. You need that. Sauce. So good. Felder, what's the best scene in this movie? Oh, I'm going to go with the Giants game. <laughs> it's very good. I mean, it's just, it's, I think the Giants game, everything else has that Harry Connick Jr., like that whole kind of patina on it. Uh-huh. And that Giants game felt very isolated with the crowd noise and just this kind of that staccato talk back and forth, stop because of the wave and in the quick, the one-liners and the whole deal. I think that that just stood out to me as a remarkable scene that caught us up to speed on what's happening in the movie. Let us know how Harry actually felt. Set up Jess as a character who we're going to know a lot better. And then kind of just 
put it, it, it took something, it took an event that we generally view as very masculine, right? A football game. And let you know that inside that football game, there, and it could have been, it couldn't just, it, maybe it's not just them. How many other guys in that stadium are having similar conversations about being emotionally wrecked that their wife is, is fucking somebody else? I mean, there's a yeah. shit ton of divorced Giants fans. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't shit on my team. <laughs> but so I just, I, yeah, like, like to me, that one just, that one is kind of, that's the different, that's the, this one is not like the other out of the rest of the film. And I think it really works because it does kind of punch it. It, it kind of punches you in the stomach and let you know that like, no, he's serious. Like this is bad. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with the, the watching Casablanca over the phone montage. Just every rom-com has the montage of they're hanging out. They're getting familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. They seem to have good chemistry. This is just a different spin on it. It's kind of like an originator of that montage because it gets replicated a million times, but it's it just so flawlessly done how it, it's one conversation happening in real time layered over, you know, months and months of, of interaction and, and, really making us believe that, Hey, this there's legitimate chemistry here. Yeah. Um, not forcing it. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so I'll go with that honorable mention to the moment where they get together, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, let's take a very quick ad break a uh, minute and 17 or an hour and 17 minutes in, into this and get back with this quote. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, all right. We're back with with best quote. A difficult. We, we've talked about some heaters already. Uh, we've, you know, we've talked about the symptom that's fucking my wife. Incredible stuff. Um, Alex, is there, is there one that jumps out for you? This is a movie with a lot of quotes, a lot of funny lines. Is there one that is like, this is a cut above? So I covered one of them earlier, the whole thing. I've I've done some thinking and the thing is, I love you. I just think that's brilliant. This isn't so much a quote that people would, you know, like put on a throw pillow or anything. One of the parts of the movie I love is when they're trying to fit the rug in his apartment and he's talking about his date. And he's what's the whole thing? She said she went to Northwestern and Sally's like, oh, did what's her face go to Northwestern? No, she went to Michigan State, but they're both Big Ten schools. <laughs> and maybe that's just like my brain thinking that's brilliant. But I love it. I mean, I think again, I think it's a series of 
bits all in one but that actually makes a lot of sense because helen has a lot of mark d'antonio energy when they when they see her at the store just (laughs) ice cold she is gonna she's gonna eat some gravel and enjoy this moment i know i know i just i think it's so great my wife went to michigan state (laughs) (laughs) my mom's from michigan she's a big michigan state fan so you know yeah but i i love how subtle it is they don't make a big deal it's like any great you know comedy where they don't make a big deal out of anything and if you get it you get it but i think it's just very smart felder what about you what's the best question right, so i've got i've got it's kind of a two for one because there's like this is the best button i think in the entire movie where when harry goes this stupid wagon wheel roy rogers garage sale coffee table when he talks about they're going to be fighting over this stupid wagon wheel roy rogers uh coffee table and jess goes i thought you liked it i was being nice this stupid Wagon wheel, Roy Rogers garage sale coffee table. I thought you liked it. I was being nice. <laughs> and then, then Meg Ryan goes, he just bumped into Helen. <laughs> and then the extended part of that scene when it's Jess and Marie, and she goes, I'll never ask for this coffee table. <laughs> I would never want this coffee table. Yeah, I would table. never it's want so this. Good. I would never want this coffee table. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The one that I love, and I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet, is when they're they're walking, and it's another one of those uh, you know, just moments of of <laughs> Harry and Sally kind of in, enjoying their their friendship, talking about things to each other, talking about their deepest fears and secrets. Had my dream again where I'm making love and the Olympic judges are watching. I've nailed the compulsory, so this is it, the finals. Got a 9.8 from the Canadians, a perfect 10 from the Americans, and my mother, disguised as an East German judge, gave me a 5.6. Must have been the dismount. So good. It's so smart. Like I think a scene which we haven't talked about is the one where they're all playing Pictionary. And you, they, they're both coupled. It's the one scene where they're both coupled. Baby they have fish to see mouth. Interact with each other. Yes, baby fish mouth. And, you know, Meg Ryan, like Sally has to look at Aunt Emily, who makes all the pies. And obviously she's younger and they make jokes about that with the whole like Ted Kennedy was shot. And they both have those moments of like jealousy, but it's not, it's not just blatant. It's very much both of them kind of realizing Side like. Side comments. Yeah, it's like, this is different now. And he watches her kiss her new boyfriend and he's like oh i love baby fish mouth or whatever the hell he said and you get to see how awkward that scene is because you don't see them interacting and it's suddenly like this is what your life is going to be like if you're not together like you guys will still be friends but in situations like this it's not going to work so yeah especially because now they have that common link of jess and marie are married they're two best friends they're two best friends are married so there's no i mean as we see from the wedding there's no way they can avoid each other oh gosh it's true you're in there you're in there yeah. like swimwear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the most authentic, least authentic parts of this movie. I think just like in, in good sports movies, like, you know, authenticity matters in a rom-com. Like, you you know, you have to believe this couple makes sense. Um, Alex, what is the most authentic part of this movie for you? I don't want to go back to it, but it's true. probably just the in bed watching the movie. Like, I really think that's just, even if it's a different type of situation, I think that's so universal of even if you don't understand the feelings you have towards someone, the whole, like they're the last person you want to interact with before you go to sleep. You know, like my dad used to say, and I don't want to get too romantic here, but my dad would say he knew he loved my mom because 
she was the first thing he thought about when he woke up and the last person he wanted to talk to before he went to sleep. And they fought all the time, but it was like, she was like the last person he wanted to fight with before he went to sleep. I just think there's something so authentic about that. No matter what your life looks like or the logistics or whatever you think this relationship is supposed to be, the person you want to talk to before you fall asleep, I think you have to like, think about that. You know, obviously it took Harry a while, but I love it. Felder, what about you? What's the most authentic part of this movie? I'm going to piggyback off Alex's. Alex just saying it takes you a while because- I think that in our society, men have been so conditioned to, I, I don't know. It's, it's his inability to reconcile with his own emotions is something that feels really, it feels very real. And if he could have got there a long time ago, think about how many years they would have, they, how many years they could have saved, not wasted, really just enjoying each other. And I know at the end of the movie, he's like, when you realize the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want to get it started as soon as possible. But what if you realized that earlier, my man? <laughs> like, yeah. what if you weren't like, like in, in maybe it's because he's a little bit shorter. He had to prove he's the cock of the walk. And what if he just was like, this is the job and I have to do this or whatever. I don't know who knows. Like, there's all these other details that we don't get about why he is the way he is. He enters into the story for us the way that he is until he finally changes to be with Sally. But what if at some point during that voyage, he was like, man, I have really been fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like you say, you can, you can save yourself six years of grief. And you know, now you, what you, you, you move out to the suburbs and you're having a good time. Like it's, it's just, yeah. it's just that to me, that felt, that felt the most real his, stubbornness and inability to recognize what's right in front of his face. And I just like, I hope that, I hope that guys that watch this movie, their takeaway isn't, she's always going to be there when I'm ready because that is not how it works. No. I mean, as a giveaway, that's my least authentic part of this movie yeah. is Meg, Meg Ryan being single at 32 there. I mean, no way. there's just, there's just absolutely. I mean, at 32 or around this time, she's married to Dennis Quaid, who was just hotter than shit at that time. Yeah. <laughs> two, two hot people making, you know, making the future star of the boys. Like just, uh, going to yeah. say Jack Quaid, Jack right? Quaid. Yeah. Jack, Jack Quaid. Quaid. He's a star. I love Jack Quaid. Um, yeah, there's a, that, that for me is the, you know, that I yeah. told you you're, you're spot on in that. Like you, I mean, that's, you cannot wait around for the right one. Cause someone else is going to, is going to come along and, and snatch her. It's uh, what is the, it's Alex, how do we keep fever pitch in fever pitch? Someone utters the line, like he should have been, you know, he should be with the wrong one by now. And a yeah, lot of times he should have yeah. messed up with the wrong person. No, I agree with that. Yeah, but yeah. I think too, like there's the line and when Harry met Sally, where she's like, I'm not going to be your consolation prize. Yeah. I think a lot of us go through that. And just like the story I just told about, like, I'm a day removed from childbirth. And my ex is like, I'm so happy for you. And he wasn't saying, like, let's get back together. But there was definitely that feeling of, like, him trying to say I'm sorry and I was a fool. And I'm just like, my whole life has shifted. Like, that's we're never going to go back there. And, like, thank God, by the way, this isn't a sad love story, I promise you. Yeah, he's it not gonna invited on this podcast ever. Yeah, I don't want to act like this is some sort of, like, maybe they'll end up together. I promise you that will not happen. doesn't need to. But it's the same idea of, like, you just wanted to make yourself feel better right. by coming here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
that's very relatable. And it's great that it worked out in this movie. Don't get me wrong. But I agree with Felder. Like, I hope the lesson here isn't, well, when I figure it out in seven years, she's still going to be there yeah. waiting for me. Cause that's just not, even if a person is single, they should not still be there waiting for you. Like everybody needs to realize their worth. And if somebody doesn't, that's fine, but this is their journey. You go on your own, yeah. you know? Yeah. I went a bit lighter with my most authentic part of this movie. It's uh, <laughs> it's college Harry thinking he's awesome at sex. Very realistic that he just thinks he's <laughs> knows a lot about sex, really good at sex. Sally, you haven't had good sex. Like, Sheldon. Ran, in, ran into a lot of those guys. Yeah. Uh, we all have. Like, oh, yeah. we. I mean, <laughs> listen, we've, we all? we've all been in those shoes at, le- at least once. Uh, Felder, do you have anything as far as the least authentic part of this Oof. movie besides that Meg Ryan was just single in her 30s? I mean, that's. I mean, that was a really good one. And I was going to go with like the idea that she would actually just kind of like mill around waiting for him. But you know what? I. <sighs> I'm going to. You... This is going to sound so stupid and so petty, but I've been it. Alex, you lived in New York for how long? A year. Wintertime? Yes. There's no way that Harry dresses the way he does in wintertime in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) On New Year's Eve? There's no way on New Year's Eve he's dressed like that. In just a a little leather bomber jacket running around the city, there's absolutely no chance. That's that's completely inauthentic, so unrealistic. if you're running from Washington Washington Square Park, trying to get a little bit up up uptown towards uptown, like not even uptown towards Midtown, one, you're not going to get there. No, you will not. You'll never. Oh, by the way, did you notice that it said 16th annual Rockin' New Year's Eve? <laughs> not at all. It said Dick Clark 16th annual Rockin' New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 16th annual, but I was like. Hey, man, because they got the taxi thing right. You're never going to get a cab. No. But they did not get that the streets are all blocked off. You'll never, you're never going to get there. And it's cold as hell. Yep. It's so cold. You can't wear your it's little awful. leather jacket and get up there. Imagine if he's hoofing it in like a, a big clunky pea coat and a beanie and a big scarf. And you can like barely see like his nose and his eyes. I was thinking like a like a big North Face parka that has the, the pockets up here. <laughs> and he's just like I have Can I tell my New York New Year's Eve story? Yeah, it's oh, very you have quick. To. It's very quick. I I so I moved to New York in September and up there especially like you can, can you can like hook up with your alumni groups at whatever sure. college you went to and they usually do whatever. So you know, I went to this Ole Miss alumni watch parties. They were so terrible that season, but we would show up at the same bar every Saturday. They did big SEC socials. It was so stupid. But again, when you're a little girl moving to the big city, that's very comforting. So I started dating a guy in finance and we went to Ole Miss. We didn't know each other in college and like, oh, it was such a disaster. But so like a few days before New Year's Eve, he had been out of town. He's like, I'm coming back into town New Year's Eve. I'd love to see you. I remember I'm like 23. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I like get dressed up. I'm wearing like a mini skirt and I look so good and doesn't call, doesn't call, doesn't call. Finally texts me at like 1158. I'm not even joking. I'm in my apartment. He's like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to make it tonight. We had set plans. We had dinner reservations. This wasn't just a booty call situation. This was like we were going on a date. So I ended up at my friend Yelena's apartment 
and she had one of those soda stream makers and she only used it to make infused vodka and we just like went down the line of her seven infused vodkas and just got very drunk so it was very romantic is my point <laughs> i feel like that's as much of a win as you can get on New Year's oh i won that so. night yes I, I won. I just won in a different way. You yeah. spent almost no money. Like that's yeah. That's the win there. Yeah, that's you can't. That's better. I mean, it was a sequin mini skirt. It cost a little bit, but it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't go wasted. You got to you got to pay for those sequins. <laughs> you do have to pay for the sequins. Pay by the sequin. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex, did you have anything for the least authentic part of this movie besides single Meg Ryan? No, I think that's no. The way we've covered it. I think we're, I think for the time, it was very authentic for the time. It was honest and, you know, it confronted this idea that I think still plagues all of us today. Can two single people, man and women, or man and woman who are attracted to each other, can you maintain a friendship without constantly either wanting to be with them or wanting to have sex and worrying about what that does to you? That's not going away. So whatever. Yeah. Is there anything that worked about this movie that we have somehow not discussed yet? I actually have a few things. Oh, you do? Okay. I was going to say no. I thought Um, we talked about everything that worked. We've talked about the Meg and Billy chemistry, but the, the hall of fame performance for Meg Ryan, we haven't talked just two moments. The, the I spy a family monologue that she gets into is right when like, oh yeah 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 you, you fall you fall in love with her i mean that is a that's a, a moment that we didn't talk about it included on the best scenes but it is stunning like a stunning performance as good as it can get in a rom-com d- discussing discussing that and a, a really authentic thing about kind of what i mean what alex is talking about the important you know importance of what do you want in life and sally realizes that well the thing well the thing i go to the part before that where she was like we're not flying to Rome at a moment's notice. We're not going sailing. We're not like, do like, she's like, we're not do- all this stuff. The reasons that we said we weren't going to have kids and not have, be, have a family and not get married. We're not doing any of them. We're not yeah. doing any of that stuff. We're not doing any of that stuff. So why not? Like I want, I realized that if we're not going to do that stuff and we're not jet setting and we're not doing this stuff, I would like to have a family. Yeah, and I think like and all of us here have children. There are definitely those moments where you're just in the thick of it. You're like, ah, oh. and we all have those friends who are very single and childless. Oh, yeah. Who like I have a friend, like sports friend, who's like, oh, I have to fly to Canada tomorrow. <laughs> he was really bummed about it, and I'm like in the throes of it. Right, I'm like working from home in Alabama, and I've got this kid. It's very easy in the moment to be like, oh, I just wish I kind of had that life. But then you think about it and you remember what it's like to be single and childless. Look at, I'm not saying everybody should have kids or that you're supposed to want them or anything. I just think whatever you do want, you should go after and you should identify if you're in a relationship with somebody who wants something different, you got to recognize that early. And I think that's more of the point. It's not that every person is meant to have kids or be a parent, but it's really easy in the honeymoon phase of a relationship to just go along with whatever's easy. That's what I was going to say. I think he convinced her of all these things. Yep. And then not only did he not deliver on those things when she pushed back about what she actually wanted, he was like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave. Yep. All right. Well, I mean, Joe Gerald Pete Ford's Joe. son. Gerald uh, Ford's son. So as, as two people with some background in New York, New York, like, as a character in this movie, it's a huge character and you've got mail. Like it's very essential shop around the corner that that whole thing. 
How do you guys feel like Feld, How do you feel about New York as a character in this movie? I always come back to the Central Park scene with the 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 like leaves in that orange yellow color. Like it's incredible. Like could this movie have existed fine in a different city like Chicago, L.A., anywhere like that, or is New York an essential character in this? Movie? Uh, I think because we all recognize this. Like I I, didn't, I never lived in New York. I just was in New York all the time, and so. I recognize all those places. I think it's harder if it's a place you don't recognize. And New York feels very recognizable. I also think once you move it out of, I think Chicago is like, I mean, if you're ranking them, it's like New York one, blah, 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 Chicago. And then it's like a huge (laughs) drop off to anywhere else. Because I think that the walkability, the, the ability to have these tiny little spaces that you get into those matter a ton. And then like, what it's in, a, they're in LA and he's just like getting in the car and driving over to Silver Lake <laughs> to go see her. Like, that's insane. Like he's like, oh yeah, no, like, we're in Boyle the, Heights. Uh, I can't the get there. New Year's Eve party. The New Year's Eve party is an hour and a half away. Yeah. My man's, he just puts on shorts. He's running like a marathon. <laughs> yeah, no, it just, I, I, I think that, I think it is, I, I think it is a it's a good New York movie, even though they don't kind of ID everything, which is something that I do think that um, some other some other movies and, and even television shows, even like Sex and the City, I think they do a good job of IDing where things are a little bit better. But this movie kind of builds on this idea of, you know, it's New York, and specifically, based upon the times, as you mentioned, it's a movie of this specific time. You know that this is Manhattan. Yep. Like you're not, you're not mistaking this for Uptown. You're not mistaking this for Brooklyn. You're not mistaking this for Queens. This is clearly Manhattan, and then we'll go from there, and it, it works. Yeah, I lo- I mean I love all the new the the Central Park shots are killer. Um, something else I love that worked, and I'm going to ask you guys who your favorite couple interview was. I love this mechanism in it. I wrote them down, so okay. as a refresher. There is the the first one where it's the guy and, and he says she walked into the restaurant, told his buddy, I'm going to marry that girl. Two weeks later, they were married. Uh, the high school sweethearts who move away and he's like, I never forgot her. I never forgot her and the wife right away. And he never forgot me. Um, and they, you know, they see each other years later. Um, the <laughs> this is my this is the funniest one to me. The one that were married for three years, then divorced. Then he has multiple marriages and then they meet at a funeral and he says, quote, I ditch Roberta, which yes, <laughs> uh, the ones that were born in the same hospital, never met, meet an elevator in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Small of the Coney Island Smalls, uh, <laughs> the arranged marriage couple. Mm-hmm. And then Harry and Sally is our, is our end one. Did you guys have a favorite of the the couple interviews, Felder? So there are the people that were 16 then they met when they were 50 and they had the 34 year, the 34 year gap between meeting each other and they saw each other on the sidewalk and it was like, they had never, they never missed a beat. And I just want to know what happened in those 34 years, because you, yes. you've got to assume that someone, at least one of them has been married and has a family. Yeah. And what happened? I like, I'm interested in what happened in those 34 years <laughs> to where the two of them were both available cruising down the street in New York City and we're like let's just pick up like let's let's pick up like nothing ever that like nothing ever happened 
Do you think one of them was like, yeah, but I got to make a call real quick? <laughs> well, I think, well, but the other part, like, I mean, realistically, given the time frame that we're dealing with, their kids are grown adults and they're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I just, like, I was, I, cause we kept doing the, the math and the numbers of like trying to figure out the ages and looking at like how much time passed for things. And that was the one that stood out to me because it's an awesome story, but I was also like, is this like not talking to speaking to the authenticity or not? And I was like, but this is the one that felt like, is this guy supposed to be Harry? And it like took him this long to be with this woman. <laughs> God, I <hope> <laughs> exhausting alex did you have a favorite um yeah so first of all like all of those stories are real those are real stories they just got actors to play them which i love because you do it's exactly the same thing the filter said is like you do think what was happening in those 30 years that's wild i i lean toward the one where they were married and got divorced just because like again when you're 22 and nothing has happened to you you hear stories like that and you're like, that's crazy. Like, I, I can't imagine, you know, like what would happen to even force you to do that. And then how could you fall in love with somebody else and fall back in love? I have seen too much life at this point. <laughs> I'm not saying that would happen. I just understand how things can get complicated and things can get weird. And I think we're conditioned when we're younger to think love looks like one thing, right? It's either boy meets girl when they're young and they have no past and they fall madly in love and then you have babies and you have these great anniversary parties. And if it doesn't look look like that, it's bad. And I totally disagree with that. And so, yeah, I love the divorce one. I love the one with the 34 years in between though. I totally agree with that. You know, like, and again, and I know people who regularly listen to this podcast are so sick of me because I tell the same damn stories over and over. My brain is tired. All right. But and I'm definitely that girl who goes back to her parents' love story. Let me just add that. Again, this was not a perfect thing. My mom was my dad's fourth marriage, okay? They met when they were both married. They did not cheat on their spouses, for the record. Just let's get that out there right away. My dad was a country singer in Texas. <laughs> it sounds dumb when you say it out loud. He was, though, and he played at her company picnic, and they were, they had a big age difference between them. And it was one of those situations where they just saw each other in a crowd and they were like, I got to talk to that person. And they talked and they became friends and they didn't see each other again for a few months. And then when they saw each other again, they're like, okay, we got to do something. They both got divorced in the same month. I'm very sorry to their exes, but at the same time, it's like, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> they had stayed together. I realized that's not your classic love story, but it mattered and it was meaningful. And so I just love, I have gotten to the point. I love things that are messy and complicated because it shows what you're willing to kind of go through to say, well, look, this is right. I don't care what other people think of it. I don't care what it looks like on the surface or what you might think is wrong with it, but it's just like getting in the cab after an awkward double date. It's like, we just know this is going to work and we have to go now. We're not going to waste time. And it's a great mechanism for this movie in that every, the love story can be really messy and it can work out just fine. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to skip over the what didn't work category unless you guys have something. We've already talked about how Billy Crystal's the oldest college student in the world. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, The Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. We really, we we have two supporting characters. There's there's a couple that get a little bit of play, but it's really just Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby. 
and they both share the ball equally in this one. Yeah. So yeah, who do you want to pick? I can't choose one of the over the other. Like, I'm, I think I'm they, fine. They I'm fine calling team. this a group a group award. <laughs> like that, them as a unit. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. They're both great. It's very smartly done. They're both great. Um, the big chill. I, I would say, I mean, the New Year's Eve speech is the ultimate rom com big chill for me. Just it, this. I mean, again, I work this into my wedding vows, and I, I the thing about um, because it, Alex knows this, we had a we had a, a big wedding plan, and then COVID came, and then we had to have a small wedding, and and decided to stick with our original date and push like a bigger celebration down the road. And I basically worked it in like I, you know, I know this isn't what we planned that, you know, planned on it. But I, you know, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. And I think I actually said you want the rest of your life to start right now. I misquoted it. But like that is is I mean, you know, in sports movies, they do or at, at, at games, they do like a montage on the on the I'm lost on the scoreboard or whatever but at the before the bottom of the ninth or in like the fourth quarter or something like that like hyping the team up like if they did that before like dates that would be on there like that <laughs> moment would be the ultimate big chill big chill moment i think i mean it's like it's there's nothing else in this movie i think that gives me the chills alex is there anything for you yeah no i agree with that i mean i think like i, I wouldn't call it the big chill moment but i think when she slaps him at the wedding mm-hmm. It's kind of a decisive moment, at least, where you're like, this isn't just a fight. And, you know, you don't really see slaps in movies anymore. I kind of like the old fat. Like, I'm not saying anyone should slap anybody. I'm just saying, like, there was a time in movies where, like, the woman slapped a man and it was a big deal, right? And, but I think, like, the fact that they follow his face, the slap, like, he realizes he's gone too far. Like, you can't just keep doing this bullshit of, are we just going to carry this around forever? Is this how we're going to be? That's the moment where she's like, you're not going to dictate what we look like anymore. I'm done. I'm tired of playing the games. So to me, like personally, I love that, but I agree. It's a classic movie in the sense that it really does leave you waiting until the last scene. I think it's great. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that last scene, like that's the one that's, I mean, that's, that's your, um, what is that? Pullman, the day of our independence. Like that last, that last scene is that, that's what it is. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's your, this, that's your, this is Sparta. Oh, (laughs) I'm going to also uh, gloss over the how to improve it category. We're not touching that. Yeah, no. Um, before more restore, prequel, sequel, or remake. I we're so we're over 30 years out, so it is a sequel a sequel is very tough. There, you know, Billy Crystal's over 70. Mhm. But it is in prime remake territory in Ooh. terms of age. It is. It is in. I, I'm. I'm not saying I want it. I'm just saying, in today's Hollywood, it is in prime remake real estate territory. I see two faces <laughs> that don't here's want what, that. Here's what I would say, and I'm coming from two different. Like I don't have a firm answer on this, but here's how I feel about Nora Ephron. I love her. This is known. It's on the record. You wouldn't take any other like classic text and just say give it to another great author and have them rewrite it like we certainly have condensed versions like i get it but like that's really the thing for me if you don't do a line for line thing and if you can't make that work you can't i think you're taking you can't and i i think you're taking away from what nora wanted i think there's certainly i know they did like a stage play with it who was it molly ringwald was in that 
Was she? Yes. Okay. So I knew they did that, but like, I just think, and this should really be the case for all screenwriters. I'm not saying Nora Ephron deserved more accolades than anybody else, but again, because she was a journalist beforehand, she had the name going into it where a lot of screenwriters don't. So it's easy to take those old things and remake them. What I will say, if they did, if they did a remake, I would, it would have to be modern day and you would have to really work it to make it not seem trite because it would be a lot of like Tinder iPhone kind of stuff. I started watching, um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to ramble, but I started watching How I Met Your Father yesterday against my judgment because why would you do that after they screwed us over with the first one? It's exactly what you would expect it to be. It's all iPhones and dating apps and it's boring and it's not good. I don't know how you remake this without it just seeing, seeming forced and dumb. But if you did, Jason Sudeikis and Anna Kendrick. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's, I mean, I, I, I did put together some, some potential couples, but that, I mean, the I thing did, with this I don't want to see <laughs> that I think we talked about a lot is that so much of the relationship between Harry and Sally and what they do is verbal and in person. And I think if you, if you did that now, a lot of it would just have to be digital. Yeah. Like you'd have yeah. the text bubbles going for yeah. a lot of it. Yep. Yeah. That would suck. That's exhausting. That's what we have every day. Like, I will say just, just in case, you know, just in case I, I did, I did come up with some pairings. I'm just, I'm just going to throw them out. Um, Alex, this won't work as well for you. Cause you haven't seen set it up yet, but Glenn Powell and Zoe Deitch, who I'm, I'm huge on. They're great in that movie. It's a New York movie as well. I believe. Set okay. Up. I'm uh, going to watch it. Andy Samberg and Amanda Seyfried. These people, all these, all these guys are too good looking. That, that's see, that's that's thing. the thing. It's finding that's that's the thing. It's finding. Every- uh, my wife did say Dakota Johnson would make an incredible Marie. Um, sure, that's the thing because like I did like I love John David Washington and I think he could actually tap into the neurotic thing, but like he's also good looking. He's too good looking. Too good looking. He's also uh, short. That would be great, but he's too good yeah. looking. <laughs> Alex, this is for you. Brett Goldstein, Juno Temple, Ted Lasso, set in the UK. Too good looking. Oh my god, is, Brett Goldstein. Yeah, this one is just because I. This one is just because I. I love these two people, Lakeith Stanfield and Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. I just. Too, I just want to watch looking. them. Um, all too good looking. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Too good looking. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Too good looking. Too good looking. Too good looking. I came <laughs> you have to have someone like Billy who's he's attractive, but like if he weren't funny and if he didn't have the personality he had, he would not be attractive. I came up with a chaos pairing. Oh God. Jeremy Strong and Lady Gaga. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> this is I could see like I don't know. I don't know how you do it. You can't do it. That's the it's thing. it's tough. Like I've racked my brain. It is it is really really tough to like. I don't know. It's because like who is who is that comedian right now? Is it is it John Mulaney? I was gonna say don't say John Mulaney. Yeah. Um, He's also but, too good looking. Yeah. Yep. He really is. He got too good looking in the past few years. I don't know. Hater I mean, I is too like, tall. And also too good looking. <laughs> Too good looking. Yeah, they're all, I mean. Hater went from being sneaky hot to just being mainstream hot, and yeah, I'm annoyed by Barry, it. Yeah, Barry took him into Get mainstream Get back in hot. there. Yeah, it's not, it's, what are, no. What, were you going to put Brett Gelman in there? <laughs> <laughs> I really can't think of anybody who could play the male role. You can't, there's no one. I, I go, I, I'm going sequel. What would the sequel be, though? Like, what would the, I don't know, but I would love to see them on camera in some form or fashion together. I'm again. going sequel. Their grandparents, their kids are finding love. 
They're not there. I was going to say, is it? I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm going sequel. I'm going Harry and Sally are still together. They've got a couple kids. They got, and it's, this is more, this is less of when Harry met Sally. And this is more like Family Stone or the, what was that? The movie, The Divorce or something that had like the whole, like, I'm going something where Harry and Sally are still in the, like, we're talking some combination of Family Stone meet the fuckers like the whole it's complicated it's complicated yes that's what i was thinking about like and this whole thing's happening and you got they got a son who is trying to get married they got a daughter whose partner is pregnant and they're figuring that part out and billy crystal's doing his whole like i don't understand what's going on yada 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 (laughs) and then you get this and you get that and like it's and then you know maybe depending on because what he's in his 70s right yeah. Yeah. And Meg Ryan was born in what? 61? Maybe. I think 61. And like, we're like, but they got their own, their family. They're trying to galvanize their family. And like, it's not the will they won't they. It's the we have to because this is what family is. And it's a family. It's a, maybe we set this at Christmas. It's a family movie. And we're it's making like it. It's like Father work. of the Bride. Yeah. Like, that's what they focus on, Steve, you know, Steve Martin yeah, and yeah, Diane yeah, Keaton. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how you do it. I don't think you I, you can't replay this. I don't think you can replay this love story. It doesn't work with text. Yeah. It doesn't work with apps. It doesn't work with Twitter. You can't do a prequel. No one's ever going to look like the two of them. What what do we want? We want to see Harry and Sally in what? In college? No. no. Harry in college is, a, is not a fun scene. I don't want to see him. I think about death every day for <laughs> hours. Yeah, man, me too. We're not special. Yes, we're in college. <laughs> You kidding me <laughs> i think the sequel's the answer and i think the sequel becomes one of those like holiday family movies like um like best christmas or whatever where it's like you have your two central characters and then you branch it out from there till you bring some more people into the fold it's got it's a four quad movie it's got something for everybody i like it i'm in i would love to see them on screen i'd watch it yeah Oh, if Netflix dropped that tomorrow, I'd I'd probably have watched it three times by the time this episode <laughs> drops. You know, a, another fun fact: the before they decided on when Harry met Sally, which Nora Ephron hated that title, it was the one regret she had about the movie. What did she want it to they, be? Named? Well, she didn't, they never came up with one, but the one they settled on before that was Just Friends, and we just did a podcast we on did, that. We not just did a ago. podcast on Just Friends. I think the title is one of the best parts about this movie. I think the title is perfect. But I get it. It's like, again, when you look at it from the viewpoint of a writer, if you put your whole heart and soul into something for years and you condense it down to this one title, what are you, you're never going to love it. You're never going to love it. There's nothing you can settle on that would be great because it's your baby and you've worked on it and there's nothing that's going to be good enough. But she hated it. Yeah, I don't ever think I've submitted a piece of writing where they've kept my title. I'm just not a title guy. I've kind of accepted that on myself. But (laughs) uh, folks, this was... This I can't think of a better way to to roll in rom com month. You guys have really gone the distance with me on this one. We made this podcast last longer than the movie. So uh, by the amazing. way, very thrilled. I looked. I fired this movie up on a Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. And I said, "This better not be more than ninety minutes." Came in at a tight, 
tight 95. Whatever happened to 95 minute movies? Come on. I know. That is always in the what works section of this podcast is that if a movie was sub 100 minutes, that is something that works. Alex and I did Hot Rod. Hot Rod's a tight 90. I love it. Tight. I love it. It's great. Great, great stuff. Uh, Michael Felder, where can the folks follow you? You can check me out on Stadium. Uh, we're on your local television. You can also check us out at watchstadium.com slash live. Um, follow me on, I'm on Twitter at in the bleachers. Ah, uh, gee, I got like, I'm not great at social media. Um, that's just the thing that I've realized over the course of the last like year and a half. It's Felder on Instagram and it's felder.bulletin.com on for my, my newsletter. It's free. You don't have to worry about it. We got recipes up there as we talked about at the top of the show. And then obviously a little bit of football stuff. I'm editing my own video and let me tell you something. I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason this podcast is only in audio form every single time. I am uh, Bummer. not touching that video. Alex, where can the folks follow you? Um, for the win, ftw.usatoday.com, or you can follow me at Alex McDaniel on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is really boring. It's just my kid. <laughs> and like some food that I eat sometimes. Who is, a, so. who is a true lord, to be clear? Jack's amazing. We love Jack. He's he has not. This is the first podcast that he has not come out to ask for like Cheez-Its or something. So he's getting older. I hate it. It's a shame. It's a real shame. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports and Rom-Com Month, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave a review. You folks know the drill. Next Monday, not sure what we're doing yet. Alex and I have not decided on exactly which which of the movies we're covering. But uh, Do if, Sleeping With Other People. That, I, I guess that's what we're doing next week. So tune in next <laughs> week for Sleeping With Other People. Uh, and if you want to check out the entire slate for Romcom Month, join the Patreon. Folks know the drill. We'll see you next Monday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.